welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. Welcome to this episode of the Two World Podcast. I am Jacob and I have with me... I am Barney. And today we'll be speaking with you about a sister church relationship that emerged out of a personal connection spanning back all the way to 2016. It's interesting how life works and ideas come to you that you wouldn't anticipate. And this whole story really, for me is one of those wonderful surprises that comes up in life and in ministry. Back in 2016, Barney, you reached out to me wanting to see if it would be possible for Yuma, your son, to be dedicated when you were visiting family in Ohio. And right away, I was so excited about that idea. I thought the congregation would really enjoy that. It would be very meaningful. And so we made plans for that. And what was so interesting to me was how when you came for that, um, you also brought your in-laws and they made the trip to be there for that occasion and your, your family showed up. And I had several people comment after that service how meaningful it was to see your family up there with you. And also that we worked in that service to have a few elements of Japanese. Um, you coached mm-hmm. me and we had a greeting essentially for your in-laws and we had it in the bulletin as well. And mm-hmm. um, several people afterwards said that was so meaningful. That was very rich that we were able to show hospitality in that way and that we connected. Mm-hmm. And so afterwards I kept thinking, boy, I, I wish there was some way that we could have an ongoing support system or mm-hmm. way to show love and care for Yuma because Mm-hmm. We all as a church said we wanted to support you and Ayako as you raise him. And also, I kept thinking it would be so wonderful if we could find a vehicle to show more hospitality and have more connection with your friends, your family in Japan. Uh, we knew that you are attending a church, Yachio Bible Baptist Church there in Japan. And so mm-hmm. I thought, what about the possibility of a sister church relationship? Because I knew of another congregation here in Ohio that was doing that with a church in Columbia. So then I met with that person and took notes on how they approached it. And it seemed like the best thing that they suggested doing was was kind of coming up with some type of invitation. But before doing that, I thought, oh, I need to check with you. And so mm-hmm. I contacted you about it. And I just kind of wonder, as, as you think back on that, what did you think when I first propose that idea. And if you also want to unpack a little bit more for us, what was that like connecting with the church and having Yuma Mm -hmm. dedicated in the church you grew up in? So any of those pieces that you want to speak to? Yeah, I could remember a number of times when other members of the church at Worcester Mennonite had their children dedicated. And just that alone, I thought was very important to me. But in my situation here in Japan, there are a lot of ceremonies that are traditional with a little bit of religious undertone. I think technically it's supposed to be more. And we were doing all of those for Yuma since we were here, but I really wanted to find a way to also have some kind of Christian element involved with his upbringing too. And I I knew that dedication was something that'd be a good way to get things started. And I also thought 
it would end up being a good chance for Ayako's, my wife's family, to see my church family, my larger family. And I thought they would really appreciate that. And here in Japan, people really like Christmas Eve. In Japan, it's actually kind of a romantic thing, but people, they like the idea of what Christmas means, the feeling that you get when it's around Christmas time, even though there are few people who are Christians, they just like that idea. Probably they get the idea maybe from the movies that they've seen. And it worked out that when we first had the chance to visit America, Yuma was seven or eight months and it was Christmas time. And I was really hoping and I was so glad that it worked out that um, we could have the dedication. And and of course, that year, uh, Christmas was on a Sunday too. And so that was very, very special. And I remember how my in-laws even really enjoyed the uh, Christmas Eve service the day before. Um, I worked real hard to kind of give them a summary of what Christmas was about and what Christmas Eve was about and maybe what would happen during the service. And they really got a lot out of it, you know, even though, of course, everything was in English and they don't speak English um, so much. And then when you mentioned the idea of having a sister church relationship, that was the first time I'd ever heard of this idea. And I wasn't sure exactly how the Yachio church would respond because as a Baptist church, they do kind of follow some of the, I guess, guidelines that a lot of Baptist churches follow. And I wasn't sure if the idea of a sister church relationship was probably new to them too. And I had to be real careful because I didn't want them to feel pressure. And in Japan, it often happens that if you're too excited and you suggest doing something, even though someone doesn't want to do it, just for the sake of harmony, they'll agree to do it. I think one example that you hear a lot is a group of friends wants to go somewhere to eat and, you know, no one has a real strong opinion one way or the other. And someone says, well, hey, let's just go eat curry. And everyone is thinking in the back of their minds, didn't we just eat curry last time or two times ago? But then this person is so excited. So, okay, let's go eat curry. And so I really liked the idea and I thought it would be great, but I thought it's also important that the Echio Bible Baptist Church realizes that they're not giving up anything. They don't have to change anything about the way they've been doing things, but it's something that they can add to, um, to the church, you know. And I thought that the way that you wrote the letter was perfect and that you said that the relationship, you know, it's not about supporting each other financially. It's not about having each other involved in this and that, but primarily it's about praying for each other and kind of being connected in that way through prayer requests. And I thought that was a great way to do it. And I thought that having the letter in Japanese and then explaining it to Kimiaki sensei then he realized that it would be something really interesting to try as well. I also thought that it probably will take a little time not for them to warm up to the idea or to get used to the idea, but just to incorporate the idea with everyone and kind of feeling good about it. And thankfully, the videos that we receive from Worcester Mennonite are, you know, something tangible to see the relationship in action. And they really like that. And every time they say how they do like that. And and I, I can see that that they're glad to have that. But I, I was curious, how did you find out about the idea of a sister church relationship in the first place? It was in one of our pastor peer group meetings, and one of the pastors there was talking about his experience in his congregation connecting with a church in Columbia. And I think that they had had a recent visit where a number of members from the church is called Life Bridge, and at least mm -hmm. I, I think that's what it's still called. It was in Dover area. 
of Ohio, mm-hmm. Dover, New Philadelphia, and they had a group of them had traveled to visit this sister church that they had connected with in Columbia, and it was very meaningful. In fact, he said mm-hmm. a number of the people who were on this trip didn't speak Spanish well, and so they had their phones, and they had Google Translate out, and they were using this mechanism where you could speak in English into the translation mm-hmm. software, and you could set it for a dynamic type of audio translation. So you could speak mm-hmm. in English, and it would render it in Spanish the Spanish speaker could then turn around and speak in Spanish and it would render it back to Mm -hmm. you in English. And Mm -hmm. so they were using this tool and he saw people huddled in different places in the room doing that. And it was just very meaningful for him. Mm -hmm. And to me, I tucked that away. I thought, oh, what an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. But then when it was combined with your visit and seeing Yuma Mm -hmm. and wanting to show support for him, and then also hearing a few of your parents' stories too, because they had had a chance to worship at Yachio Bible Baptist Church um, when they visited you and how they felt welcomed. And I think that your mom had also done some cushion covers for their chairs or something right. and, and how they mm-hmm. seemed to appreciate mm-hmm. that. So I actually contacted you about it when I first was thinking mm-hmm. about this idea. And I also talked with them a little bit about it too, because um, they had been there <laughs> and they seemed very positive about that. So yeah, it, it just seemed like it was worth looking into. And then once we drafted a letter and you helped, well, you did all the translation work with Ayako. I think mm-hmm. you both, you kind of fine-tuned yeah. it. And then when I brought it to the congregation at Worcester, it was so interesting to just see people consider the idea and to see it click and then get traction. And then they ultimately ended up signing the letter. And it felt so tangible to have this large body of the community gathered coming forward and signing this document and putting their name there and then being able to send that with you because you were at that service yeah. when they signed it and then you, you right. took it back with you. So that was a very meaningful moment along the way. Yeah, it was it was very exciting to me and I kind of waited with anticipation, but I think you had kind of prepared me to not be in a rush and to just be open to what emerged. And I think you had also told me that the time frame it may be gradual and so just anticipate that. And so I tried to mm-hmm. uh, temper my uh, sense of excitement and just kind of wait and see right. what emerged. And mm-hmm. so I think it did start to feel real when we started getting responses back through you to the videos we were sending. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then it really felt real when I was able to visit Japan and actually uh, attend a service and uh, have right. a meal with the community. It felt right. very yeah. uh, unique and special. And it also felt incredibly powerful too when we were in return after that trip able to host Kai the son of Pastor Kimiaki here in in Ohio and that felt just like Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. step in building relationship and I think those visits were high watermarks for sure and one final one that is another moment that stands out is the Children's Sunday School program had a Japan day where we watched videos from Yachio Bible Baptist Church and then the children saying, uh, Jesus loves me in Japanese. And we recorded Mm -hmm. it to send back Mm -hmm. to the church. And then we had some Japanese foods and did some learning around culture. And it just felt like another Mm -hmm. special moment in the journey. So all of those things, it's interesting. But for me as a pastor, sometimes I think you mm-hmm. need something that brings excitement and newness mm-hmm. into your mm-hmm. life and into your routine. And that journey, pursuing this sister church relationship with you and has really infused a lot of, of joy and excitement and energy into to me that, that was kind of a surprise that I wasn't anticipating. And it's one of those things in oh. ministry over the past, I would say, three yeah. to four years that has been one of my favorite um, things so, yeah. that I've been able to work with. So, 
I can say that they also really, really appreciated the quilt that uh, the congregation put together. And it was such a nice gesture and a a nice addition to have the handprints of the children. So in addition to the letter with everyone's signature and, and then the cat's meow image of the church, which, which they display in the, um, the entryway at Yachio, the, uh, the quilt with the children's handprints is, uh, prominently on the wall, uh, in the sanctuary as well. That is so sweet. Wow. Well, you know, in a way to me, this whole story got started with Yuma. And so it was out of a, Mm -hmm. out of a child, you know, and in this experience Mm -hmm. of dedicating him that this even possible. And then I think for our children to have in the back of their minds that we're connected with people around the world and and, in another country in Japan and praying for them, it's, it enlarges Mm -hmm. their view of the world and it helps um, them see ministry extending beyond just our own culture. And so that seems so hopeful to me. And I remember when I was able to visit, that was one of the main things I tried to emphasize in Mm -hmm. the letter that I shared with the church at the end of the service, just that how Mm -hmm. uh, much of a blessing it is to have this connection for our kids, especially just to, to grow Mm -hmm. and learn about Yachio and to know that they're praying for us and that we could pray for them. And so, yeah, that, thank you for mentioning that about the quilt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I can, I, I just want to mention, you know, last time, and I think maybe even the, the time before, well, I don't Mm -hmm. know if this episode has been posted yet, but we talked a little bit about cultural blunders or or you know things we learned and if i had it to do over again mm-hmm. when i visited mm-hmm. the church i would have had you read the letter and i would have stood up there <laughs> or at least i may have might have read it in english or at the very least yeah. i would have tried to read it in japanese like i did but have you correct me as i thought back on it i thought mm-hmm. boy that was mm-hmm. pretty ambitious of me to try to read the whole thing in japanese with romanji with the transliteration cuz i don't know how much of it they can understand <laughs> but but i think they got the main maybe maybe some of the main yeah. points and um but yeah it's one of those things in hindsight boy it probably would have been more meaningful to have barney just stand up there with me and you know mm-hmm. i was trying to i was trying to to connect and, and and I thought, oh, one of those ways is by speaking a person's language directly. But oh, yeah. Um, right. yeah, without adequate training, it was probably um, very hard to decipher much of anything from that. So, <laughs> uh. But I think that even speaking from my own experience, I, I don't want to kind of say like a, um, not like trial by fire, but I think that there is kind of a sense of that Japanese people love to see people try. I remember the first, this is a little bit off topic, but I remember the first Japanese lesson that I went to at the city hall where, where I was, you know, years ago. And it was a free lesson. And the one of the teachers said, you know, just kind of in passing, you know, and at the end of today's lesson, you will um, have to introduce yourself. And I thought, surely he, he doesn't mean in front of everybody. And, um, he, he certainly did. And I had just been practicing Japanese for all of like maybe 60 minutes. And then they passed me the microphone and I have to give this introduction. Wow. And it was, you know, all of the other students were there, of course, were also non-Japanese speakers, but the teachers were there. But I remember seeing a few heads of the advanced students smiling and nodding. And I felt I'm really doing it. And then the very first time I went to Yachio Bible Baptist Church too, I, I was, 
I mean, you know, you know me well, but uh, you know, the listeners might not. Um, I, I'm very shy. So I was kind of in the back and, you know, it's not a big sanctuary anyway, but kind of hoping to kind of just, you know, just ride out today, you know, just observe today. And um, after the announcements, of course, they said, um, and we have a guest with us. And would you mind standing up and introducing yourself? And I didn't know what to say. I I can't remember if I remember correctly or not, but I, I think like I said, you know, my name is Barnabas, which um, in the Japanese Bible is um, Barunaba. And then I think that I said, I, I have two brothers and a sister and I'm an English teacher and I live here, you know, in the area. And I thought later, why did I talk about my family? It's such a weird <laughs> introduction. <laughs> well, you know, it's part of who you who you are, you know, your identity. Right, right. Um, that's yeah. interesting. So so I think I think it must be, you know, me running into this personally twice um, in my experience, and I think they probably really, I know that they really appreciated you really putting yourself out there, reading the remarks. Oh, well, thank you, your Barney. Your heartfelt remarks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, I definitely sensed their graciousness and they had such mm-hmm. a spirit of hospitality with mm-hmm. that. Um, just the greeting that we received when we went for the service and then the meal afterwards and the time of yeah. fellowship with asking questions. It was mm-hmm. nice to be able to go again for the Wednesday evening study and get a little bit more time oh, for yeah. that discussion afterwards. And yeah. I'm so excited, perhaps in a future episode, to talk about the interview we did with Kimiaki Sensei about his oh, sense right. of calling and how he came to ministry. Mm-hmm. So that'll be neat. Mm-hmm. But all of that was so rich, and I cherish the memories of that time with them. Uh, and yeah. I'm so grateful that we had that. Mm-hmm that opportunity mm-hmm. and then hopefully future opportunities to keep praying and connecting. Um, so yeah, that's, right. that's so um, yeah. important. I know that they do often say that they want some way to reciprocate. I think they're worried about maybe not being able to communicate very well is one thing, or maybe they just are feeling a little humble, you know, thinking that they don't have much to offer. I'm not sure. But yeah, they they love the videos and they loved seeing the um, the children's time. They really really liked that. And for me, one thing that stands out in my mind that kind of calls back to what you were saying about kind of making it feel real. When I was in America with Kai, and we called his dad Kimiaki Sensei on Skype, I thought that was really oh, fantastic. That was- to have that connection. I, he was just smiling so much to see his son there mm-hmm. and. We got to just sit there with him and um, it was very meaningful and having some of the others in our group ask questions. I know your parents Mm -hmm. were there and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a very important moment. I I think the fact that Kai took the time to come and and be with us and meant a lot and him sharing a Mm -hmm. sermon, which was so good. So good. Yeah, I think that we'll remember that for years to come as a congregation. I know Mm -hmm. I will always cherish that memory. And I think too, there were some other unique opportunities. I remember one time we asked how communion is celebrated at Yachio. Oh, yes. Um, And then I think maybe Kimiaki Sensei gave you a text or something and you maybe translated and Mm -hmm. sent it to us and we used it Mm -hmm. for a communion service. And so just being able to share 
um, prayer requests infuses. We try mm-hmm. once a month, and right. with COVID, our rhythm was disrupted, but I think we're right. getting back to that once a month rhythm yeah. here. But we did mm-hmm. at one point have a picture that we distributed to the congregation that had the members of Yachio Bible Baptist Church in their names in English mm-hmm. underneath their, in, mm-hmm. in Roman characters mm-hmm. um, underneath. Right. And so, and then people were encouraged yeah. to pray. And I think that was a nice step. So yeah. we keep working at it. And, yeah. but I feel like I say working at it, but there is a part of it too, that just feels um, just a blessing to, it doesn't feel like work right. too. It just feels like right. there's something to right. enjoy, you know? So, yeah, I really, appreciate it and I know that they really appreciate it too and yeah I, I I personally like the little connection I like getting to see Worcester Mennonite through the videos as well once a month and I I also feel like you know I can sense that you guys are really sending your thoughts and your prayers and your blessings even through that that video in that way and it's really nice for me too yeah so I think that of course I haven't said directly but I know that you know very Obviously, they were happy to have you come to visit Japan. And maybe how was it that you even had the chance to to visit us? I was really fortunate. There were several things that lined up nicely to make that possible. One was that I was eligible for a sabbatical. And mm-hmm. a lot of my colleagues, when going on sabbatical, look for an opportunity that will stretch them, help them grow, help them learn. And for me as I thought about times in my past when I had really grown or experienced something new, it was getting outside of my context, you know, whether mm-hmm. um, it's traveling within the U S or going abroad. And so right away, when I thought about that, I got excited about the idea of visiting our sister church because your parents had talked about it and, and you uh, would share what it's like. And I thought, Oh, how amazing it would be to go there. Interestingly, I, have some family connection to Japan Mm. in the sense that one of my uncles was born in Japan because his, my grandfather on my mother's side was in the military and they traveled quite a bit when the kids were younger. And so at this particular stint in my grandfather's career, he was stationed in Japan and uh, my uncle was born there. So he has a kind of passion Uh, in a sense for Japanese culture just because of that had been his birthplace and he had some art that he inherited from my grandparents and he kept that just because of that connection and he actually uh, it's it's a sad thing he ended up passing away um, Mm -hmm. somewhat Mm -hmm. recently Mm -hmm. and he had generously included me as a beneficiary of his estate and so here I had some funds available and I knew that he loved Japan. I had even talked with him about mm. our um, sister church relationship and oh, he thought wow. that was so interesting. And so it kind of felt like between that and having this sabbatical, it felt like this seems like a great opportunity to pursue. I presented it mm-hmm. to the congregation, not necessarily expecting any financial support from the church because I had yeah. received these funds from my uncle, right. but the church also contributed to the trip. They really were, wow. they thought it was a great idea and, um, in particular, with the Mennonite Church being a peace tradition, I mm-hmm. presented to them. I wanted to go and learn also about peacemaking, and I wanted right. to specifically go to Hiroshima to hear more about the story of how that city came to be a, such a powerful witness for peace and and uh, reconciliation after such a tragedy. 
of the nuclear bomb and also how um, we as peacemakers could hear that story and honor the the hardship and the suffering in it yeah. and to 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 advocate for yeah. peace and reconciliation in the midst of that to be agents of peace and mm-hmm. so um they were supportive of that part and and they were also very supportive of the fellowship connection with Yachio and so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's been one of the most exciting things i've been able to do as a pastor is to go on this trip and so yeah i'm so grateful to have had that support mm-hmm. from our congregation mm-hmm. and the opportunity to do it mm-hmm. and barney without you i could not have done it either because you did yeah, all yeah. kinds of logistical work lining up um yeah. flights for me and an itinerary yeah. and uh, uh, coaching me and helping me see where to travel and and oh, yeah. in fact traveling with me quite a bit too you know right. um yeah. so thank you for your hospitality and your role yeah. in making it possible for me to go to japan yeah. so yeah, I was going to say we we definitely had a really fun time in Tokyo, the different places that we went and around Narita. And um, I really was hoping that it would work out for me to go with you to um, Hiroshima. But I think just my work schedule didn't work out because as I mentioned last time, the first time I went, the only time I went, I we didn't have the chance to go to the um, the museum. We, we were so busy, actually, because we were going to visit Kimiyaki Sensei's parents. And one question I keep having about the museum is like, what, what is kind of the overall feel or what is the, um, like the final message that you get the sense that they want you to take away after visiting that museum? I feel like the overarching message is that we need to honor the loss and those who mm-hmm. suffered and um, remember them. And work for a world that doesn't have nuclear weaponry anymore and to be agents of peace um, for that to um, cease for nuclear weapons to cease but also for warfare in general uh, to cease so that was what I took away from it Um, I think there was a large emphasis on understanding and listening and testimony you hear a lot of first-hand accounts um, yeah. and it's very sad to, and tragic to hear what people went through in the after effects of, of the radiation and, um, the confusion mm-hmm. and the trauma and the loss. And then yeah. there are lots of exhibits to illustrate what it meant for the people of Hiroshima to have gone through that, yeah. like just physical objects and what they look like afterwards and pictures and, uh, there is a historical context given, and actually, some things in that narrative I had never heard before, um, a, a perspective I'd never been familiar right. with, and that was, there was maybe, I don't know if you want to say, pressure within the U.S. to use mm-hmm. a nuclear weapon because they had invested so mm-hmm. much money in developing it. I had never heard that before. I had always heard it presented as uh, allies, uh, the U.S., were suffering so many casualties in the Pacific front that they, they were trying to find some way to end the huge loss. And so they opted for this nuclear weapon or weapons, I should say. But, um, but hearing this side of the narrative, it's like, boy, there's another, there's another even, um, other tragic dimension. If there was political pressure to use something, um, just because it had been so heavily funded, but, um, but then, in addition to the history, I think there's a whole section that, that walks through what happened afterwards and what the city did in its um, peace congresses and um, calls for peace, the 
messages from mayors in the past uh, letters that they'd sent in Mm -hmm. from the children of the city, different exhibits that they had put up. And then Mm -hmm. ultimately uh, international responses and art and things from children and others around the world today. So that walks you through the event, the impact that it had, the history behind um, the fallout, and then um, some movement towards a positive change and looking forward to the future. So by the end, yeah. when you leave, they kind of leave you with this message, never again, you know, may Hiroshima oh. never happen again. May we all remember and, and honor those who suffered this um, and honor them by being advocates and working to make sure this never yeah. happens again, that we... Uh, that, that mm-hmm. nuclear nonproliferation um, becomes a goal in our world and is achieved. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. so I feel like from what I can gather, the the way the information is presented, it is shocking. But I don't think that it's it's only that they leave you in this place of of hopelessness. I think that they do move you then to a sense oh, of like nice. suffering and, and loss. Uh, terrible things happen, but now we want to leave you with also a message of hope that people have come through it. And, um, there was a banner, uh, that I took a picture of and Mm -hmm. it talked about how the uh, plants began growing in the radiated soil much quicker than they Mm -hmm. thought was possible. And that this uh, poem was right beside this banner about how life springs back in Hiroshima Mm -hmm. and, um, with it comes hope. That autumn in Hiroshima, where it was said, for 75 years, nothing will grow, new buds sprouted. In the green that came back to life, among the charred ruins, people recovered their living hopes and courage. And it was just a sense of like, um, yeah, the city had come through this terrible thing and now was on a different was on a different path, a path towards healing and, um, that they were going to be, um, yeah, witnesses for, for that and, and to the broader world. Yeah. That's so nice to hear that wonderful message that, that they leave, um, you with, but they put it all into context and, and why that message is so important to, to take home. And, uh, I guess it's also telling that, um, often Nobel peace laureates will, will speak in that area too. And maybe to wrap up one kind of overarching theme I kind of realized we have here is is the idea of maybe children of peace. Mm. You know, we started off talking about Yuma and um, how he was able to start this connection of our two world here, of um, seeing faith in action, not as, not as a sense of a missionary active here, but um, as a sense of two churches growing and worshiping God um, in their own ways and in shared ways here in Japan and and, in Ohio, and um, the importance of how children, the role that they play in being a part of of peacemaking related to um, what happened in Hiroshima and, and how it's so fantastic that they are always involving children and the art and the things that they they produce toward encouraging peace and encouraging this reconciliation and, and growing forward you know growing up springing forth new um, from what happened in the past in history yeah do you have any final thoughts about that i think you that you articulated it very well 
And I think that that gives me much hope, this idea of, of children of peace. And that is a healthy reminder for all of us of um, what's important and the future that we long for, for our kids and for others. And so thank you for, for putting yeah. your finger on that. I think you're right. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of the Two World Podcast. Me, Barney, and Jacob again. And we want to thank you, as always, for listening. And um, we hope that today's episode and others have left you with things to think about in your own lives. And maybe as a final reminder to keep in mind for all of us that we, no matter what our age is, that we are also acting as children of peace um, here as well. And so we look forward to you joining us in a future episode. See you again.